Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello, welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Chuva Center. Thank you for joining us. As we are venturing out into the world again, as we are starting to define a new normal for ourselves, as we are going back to some of our old lives and definitely into a lot of new life, looking at everything that's going on in the world, it's clear that we have to redefine a space for ourselves, a space of equality, a space of beauty, a space of meaning, a space of awareness. As we start defining that space and defining our life, I wanted to go back to some of the lessons and ideas I've learned throughout the years of working with people. Ways for us to create more meaning into our lives. Ways for us to create more awareness in our lives. Ways for us to create more spirituality. Ways for us to create a space that is more courageous than it was before. These lessons are part of a longer discussion about how to create a life of meaning. They're part of a discussion that puts the emphasis on our ability to change our lives and change ourselves as always in recovery. Action is incredibly important. Awareness is incredibly important. And as I was speaking about last week, freedom and liberation are elements of that. But there are a lot more things that we can do to have a better life. This year, the year 2020, somebody said to me yesterday, you know, Iggy, perfect vision is 2020. And maybe this is what this year is. Maybe we get to see clearly for the first time. We get to face ourselves. We get to face our society, face our life. Yeah, we can bemoan it and whine about it or complain. But we can also use this moment to turn our life around or to pivot in our life. To practice what we call rigorous honesty. To turn our new sharper vision and our attention first to ourself to create more self-awareness, to self-examine ourselves and to self-criticize ourselves in hopes of finding what we can change, what we can grow, or maybe abolish. Living in this honesty also means that making a decision to tell the truth, even when we prefer to lie or it's easier to lie. When we do that, when we understand the truth, it must lead to examining our life and coming to accept what we see, being honest about yourself like this is the first step of understanding oneself, as I was describing last week in Freedom. It asks, what drives you? If you listen to the previous episode, you know I spoke about that and what it can give you. And the result will be a better life. I promise. <laughs> if it doesn't work, you can text me or email me but only if you're earnest in doing this. So first I want to talk about spirituality and I want to distinguish it from religion. Many people confuse spirituality with religion. 
In today's world, for many, religion is polarizing. For the believer, it is a place of great refuge and strength, while for the non-believer, it is a place where we judge each other and live life through this prism that divides the world into a binary system. Us, them, pure, impure, holy, secular, believer, infidel, so forth. Yet at the core of most religions and ways of life, like Buddhism, there is a, a truth, a seed, that we are all connected and that many of our lives' aspects are connected. Spirituality is our ability to see things for more than they are seemingly right now. It allows for things, people, nature, God even, to change because of our action and our attitudes. It's a lens on the life that expands the meaning and the purpose of what we experience. We are more than our current moment. We are more than our suffering, more than our pain, more than our temporary feelings, more than our love even, more than our hope at this moment. Looking at the world, a rock can be more of something if we see it as meaningful to us. It can be sacred. There are sacred rocks in this world. There are small pebbles of rock that we keep in our pockets because of it being a gift, or it reminding us of something. It can be meaningful if we make it so. A scroll is parchment and ink, but it can, in fact, also be holy. Family heirlooms can be incredibly holy and meaningful. Traditional objects passed down from generation to generation. They are more than what they are at this particular moment. Perhaps this is a bridge to a more parallel space where things are different than they are here and now. So in that way, our world, things in the world, we are much more connected to the spirit. And it also, of course, means that we are connected to each other responsible for one another. Each of us was created in the image of God, higher power as you understand it, nature, universe, whatever it is to you, and therefore reflects the true unified source of all life. I wrote this week that God has many names as humanity has many names, but we are asked to look at the true essence of our human condition and rise up in strength, in unity, and accept the awe and the splendor that is life. Our spirit is connected, but sovereign. It is with it that we speak, that we act, that we love, that we cry when we see others suffer. It is through this spirit that we create, that we change, and like I just said, that we see things for what they are right now, but also what they could be. Our soul, unobscured, is in fact a source of our creativity and our compassion. When we return to it, our sense of oneness rises. When we return to it, our sense of oneness brings us strength. Liberated from the tyranny of oppression, 
of supremacy, of hatred, of bigotry, of homophobia. When we reignite our heart, our soul, we speak truth and act in truth. The seal of God, the seal of the universe, we say in our tradition is emet, aleph mem taf, truth. That truth, being in truth, living in truth, practicing rigorous honesty is authentic, it's proud, it's caring, and it's fierce. Working with people that try and create a new life for themselves, a life of meaning, means that we must ask ourselves questions and begin this journey of exploration. It is a spiritual quest, one that is motivated by our questions and our intentions. It can be part of our religion, but it does not have to be. Religion is an affiliation, an institution, one that we belong to. Spirituality is the language we have for the experiences and the insights that we gained from truth and from our journey. We feel a lot of things at the moment. There's tons of feelings around. And emotions are complex. And we can't always control them. We all feel things all the time. And many times we feel things, multiple emotions at the same time, all at once. When we feel love, we also feel fear for the potential loss of that love. When we feel scared and uncertain, we can also feel exhilarated. When we feel loss, we also feel relief many times. But we can't let our emotions control us. And if we don't pay attention, they can. We can become enslaved to them, thinking they own us. Taking actions based on these emotions without learning how to observe them, to wait for them to change, to pass, or to deepen, usually produces impulsive, destructive behavior that end up harming us. Learning, being aware that our emotions change, and pass is one of the first key understandings. When we reflect on them, when we look at them, when we become aware of them, we have some sovereignty over them. When we feel like shit, even though we think it will last forever, it will not. Just like happiness, it will also go away. When we feel lonely and sad, upset or anxious, we need to take a moment, ask yourselves, what are you feeling? Name the emotion. So many people don't even know how they're feeling. Play out what you want to do. See if you can or should. And then imagine a different reaction that you might have taken in the past or a different reaction you want to take now. And let the feeling pass. Or allow yourself to lean more into it. If you're feeling angry, sometimes it's okay. Sad, loss. I've been feeling very sad the last couple of weeks with everything that's going on in the world. But I can't take action just out of that sadness. It can fuel some of my actions to be better, to change, to help others. 
but I have to recognize that sadness is just a feeling. I have to be aware of it. I have to understand where it comes from. And then I can choose how to take action. Not just because of the feeling, but the feeling is a reminder that I have to check in with myself and then choose how I behave. Learning how to do that is hard. But when we do, we regain control of ourselves. We become more aware, more liberated. We can see things for more than what they are at the moment. We can make choices that will benefit us and the world and support this life of meaning. In that sense, we gotta have faith. And faith is a practice. Believing, while often associated with religion, is really a daily human practice. We do it every day. But many times we lack the secular vocabulary to describe it. Faith is hope. Faith is love. Faith is the ability for us to allow for something to pass because we assure ourselves that something else, something better is coming. A different emotion or a different experience. Our perspective is enhanced by such faith. It's like having a much better vantage point and it gives us a chance to see beyond the moment and ourselves and think of the possibilities in our life, our actions, our emotions, and our journey. Making your bed in the morning, many people have talked about this, including myself. Start a fitness practice, a meditation practice, a prayer practice, journaling. Change one thing about your day with the hope that it will improve you. The perspective we gain from this is immense. We can only gain it if we shift our focus from our current experience and look at the bigger picture. So again, ask yourself, how do I wish to be better? Can I see myself in a different situation? Can I be content with what I have? Do I have goals for the next week, the next month, year, three years? How do I achieve those goals? Many times we have doubt, and doubt is also a value. While faith is the motor of well-being, as it helps us believe in a better tomorrow and the ability to transform ourselves and the world, too much of it can lead us to an unrealistic point of view, a kind of magical thinking. When faith becomes ardent, it closes the mind to possibilities. Doubt is the partner of faith and for the seeker, it can be as comforting as faith is. Doubt leads us to ask questions, think critically, and not accept the world around us or our own shortcomings. Believing is the gas pedal and doubt is the brake, helping us not go too fast, not overexert ourselves, not cause harm when we take a turn too fast. Today's world prizes certainty and clarity above everything. Perhaps one of the more difficult of lessons to learn regarding doubt is that it can lead to insecurity and anxiety. But when it's paired with faith, it can become a powerful pillar in a happy, content life. Seeking the advice of others when working on an idea or a project and allowing your questions about what you are doing to inform their feedback is a practice of doubt.
not believing that just because you feel it right now or think it, it must be true, is an act of doubt. Allowing yourself to not accept everything as it is just because that's how we always do it is an act of doubt. And today, the actions of what's going around us is a clear indication that doubt, questioning, not accepting is something that fuels us to go out in the streets and saying, no more. I want to change this. I need to change this. Another partner of faith and doubt is gratitude. Happiness, like we said, is not a place you can go to and stay forever. Happiness is fleeting. Moments are to be treasured and appreciated. But gratitude is a choice. And counter to what most people think, one can choose to be happy. Not all of a sudden and not immediately, but with practice. One can learn how to be happy. And the key is gratitude. So we have to ask ourselves today, what am I truly grateful for? Can I shift my perspective to see something that is good about my day or my life? Maybe a choice I made today that I didn't do yesterday. Can I appreciate my ability to reflect? Can I appreciate my privilege to sit and think? Some people don't. When we practice gratitude, and it's not just about a simple thank you or, you know, I'm thanking the food in front of me or the, uh, sh the shelter or the roof above my head. That's very much part of gratitude as well. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about something a little deeper. We learn to appreciate things that make us happy. We can go back to it as a beacon when we are feeling less than. Our tradition asks, who is a rich man? And it answers, he who is happy with what he has. If you ask happy people about their daily life, if you ask successful people about their daily life, you'll find that many of them have rituals, daily practices that they engage in. Many content, successful, happy people go to sleep and wake up at the same time every day eat the same thing every day. That's just one sort of ritual. Such rituals are milestones in our day. Primarily, they serve as a background, a canvas of sorts. If we wake up at the same time every day or take a walk at the same time at the same place, it helps us check in with ourselves. It highlights how we feel. Do I feel different today? Why am I more tired, more energized? What did I do different earlier? It is through rituals that we get to refine our reactions, our attitudes. We get to plan our actions and creating new habits. If we choose to change something, it's only when we keep doing it over and over and over again that we are able to then start acting differently, feeling differently, being different. Going randomly to the gym won't change your habits or your body, but going regularly would. Not gossiping will not change how you feel about yourself immediately, but in time, it will allow you to be more confident and self-assured. Things like knowing how you would feel after a walk by the beach, reading before going to bed, or journaling just after dinner helps us to be more in control of ourselves and more in touch with the inner self. 
that part that inspire us, that soul we were talking about before. And only daily practice and ritual can actually offer that. So we have to study and learn and try new things. It's somewhat paradoxical that many of us do indeed feel better when we challenge ourselves, when we engage with life trying to learn new skills, even perhaps especially when we fail along the way. Taking up a new skill to learn a new language, a craft, an art, or exploring new things inspires us. It offers us a creative glimpse into possibilities that we didn't think about before. If you have a partner, for example, it's a great way to strengthen your relationship. Learning or seeing, experiencing something new for both of you, rather than showing the other person something that you already know and like. Growth is an act of creation, making new meaning in life. The inspiration that comes from the beauty of learning something and studying it. So again, ask yourself, what's your favorite meal? Can you make it? What else would you like to try? Do you have a favorite poem? Can you memorize it? What would you like to do? Perhaps, unfortunately, you lost a job in this pandemic. Maybe this is a time to try something different. Perhaps you realize that your life is not what you want it to be and you want to change it. Perhaps this is the moment. When we connect with what inspires us, we learn that we are able to go back to that when we need to. A spiritual strong core depends on inspiration and a life of meaning is full of it. Inspiration. One of my favorite writers, John Donne, says no man is an island, right? No person is an island. The research on isolation and loneliness is vast and it all says the same thing, which we all know now after the pandemic or even during the pandemic. When we isolate, we suffer. When we don't interact with others and sense our own humanity and theirs, we suffer. When we think we are alone and unappreciated, we suffer. When we are unseen, we suffer. When we don't feel that our existence matters to anyone, we are in pain. We belong in communities and when we acknowledge that and help others and see their life as it mirrors ours, we thrive. Every person around us. Looking at their humanity and not at their sex, gender, origin, color. The human condition is what we all have in common. And it's when we are able to connect to that, that we grow. Finding ways to be of service especially now, is truly one of the major lessons one learns in order to have a happy, content life. When we give from ourselves and we are able to serve others, those who are in need, those who are in need, temporarily or not, we are not just serving them. It's not just an act of altruism. But in turn, we are serving ourselves because of our connection. The feeling we get from connection to our humanity is unmatched by any other experience being of service. Finding ways to help our community, volunteering, helping, and giving is an essential building block of a life of meaning. And when I say community, I mean 
multiple communities around us, not just people who are exactly like us. Perhaps even especially these days, people who are not exactly like us. Action is everything. Change is hard, very hard. We say we want it, but it's terribly hard work. Most of our habits form for a reason. Almost all addictions, as we know, start as a solution to a problem. That drink before the party to ease the social anxiety. That game with friends at the casino to get some needed cash. The pills to stay up those crucial nights studying or work. Habits form, and even though many times we say we want to change it, it's hard to do it because our habits have served us so well for so long. Change only happens when awareness or the will to do something different is met with equal force with action and repeatedly. Just being aware is not enough. Wanting it is not enough. We have to commit to repeated action. Contrary action even. Choosing to do something different this time. Positivity is enhanced when intentions and actions are aligned. When we do what we say we will, act how we intend, and are in control of our actions. We can't control our emotions many times, but we can control what we do with our action. I often find the quality of saying what you mean and meaning what to say to be one of the most powerful parts of somebody's personality. When our intentions and actions are not aligned, we create dishonesty, inauthenticity, and those are seeds of poison that grow and affect us and those around us very negatively. Just a few more things. Sweat the small things, contrary to what other people think or say. We worry about the big things, love, health, money, sex, power, and we can get so overwhelmed with the big picture that we are petrified into inaction and do very little. Thus, many of us aren't sure how to get what we want. We see other people's achievement, acknowledge, we perceive them to be happier than we are, able to get what they want. And if we observe the truly happy and successful, we learn that in order to achieve their vision, their goal, and I often, working with clients, will ask them to map it out, a week, a month, five-year plans, to look at their goals. Goals are about details. Those people observe what they do, who they surround themselves with, what do they consume, physically, intellectually. The details of our lives allow us to flex the muscle of decision-making, of taking control. When we exercise those muscles, they become stronger and more effective. Action becomes easier. Focus becomes clearer. And our ability to act and not procrastinate is increased. It's important to note that while seeing and feeling results from our actions can be great, it's important to note that while seeing and feeling results from our actions can be great, most things that are worthwhile in life produce very little measurable results on a daily basis. Thus, your actions and decisions that you make daily will only start making a difference when you repeat them over and over and over again until change occurs. Penultimately, 
The old Yiddish proverb says, man plans and God laughs. Or my grandfather used to say it a little differently. He would say, how do you make God laugh? You make a plan. We've learned this year, life is unpredictable. And while hope is key for a life of meaning, it can't be blind hope. While hope is about the confidence in our ability to grow and to change in positive ways, slowly replacing bad habits with good ones, we must face ourselves and our actions and the fact that we all fail at achieving goals sometimes. But what becomes destructive is blame and shame. Using failures and indeed successes to our advantages and promoting happiness and success is directly linked to our ability to take responsibility. People who blame others or life or circumstances or themselves without exploring why we act the way we act are often less likely to be successful or have meaning in their life. Accountability is what keeps us from engaging in destructive behavior. I've said before, the most toxic sentence in the English language is, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get my car. I'll be happy when I get to leave the house. I'll be happy when this pandemic is over. I'll be happy when I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I'll be happy when I have a child. You many times get that, and then guess what? You're still not happy. When we don't take responsibility and when we cannot be flexible with life and what life brings, we lose the battle. I believe that we lose the battle because we don't take responsibility for our happiness today. We did not practice gratitude. We did not invest in ourselves with spiritual practices. We did not reflect. We did not allow ourselves to observe our emotions. We did not take action. We did not be of service to others. We relinquished our power to be happy now. We have to practice those steps in order to be able to do all these things as currency. I've used this metaphor before that we have to open a spiritual bank account and we have to make deposits into that bank account, saving up. So when we need to write a hefty check at a difficult time, like lately, like the pandemic, or heartbreak, or loss of a job, when we have to write that hefty check, we are able with confidence to know that we can cover it. We are able to write that check out of that spiritual bank account because we know that we've invested in our spiritual bank account and ourselves. And every day, those practices, spiritual practices, gratitude, awareness, meditation, journaling, inspiration, creativity, being of service, those on a daily basis create currency that goes into our bank account. Lastly, what are those spiritual practices? Spiritual practices are the essential blocks to building a strong emotional core, one that is resilient, agile, self-correcting in times of need. Like exercising at the gym or running every day to prepare for the marathon, spiritual practices creates and maintains and strengthen us Morning meditation or prayer offers a chance to reflect, set goals, intentions for the day, sharpen our focus for what lies ahead. A prayer, a mantra, an affirmation, maybe a guided meditation on a nap. A book of poems, ancient wisdom can also be useful. Some days will be harder. So make a note for yourself of when that happens. 
after a while, some insights will emerge. Daily journaling is a practice that can help us reflect and take notice of our emotional, spiritual, and physical self and help us take action. A daily prompt or a set one like, I felt the most myself today when, or what did I do today, will assure that your reflection is consistent and practicing a check-in will promote a sense of gratitude after a while. Exercise is another important element of spiritual practice. Sedentary lifestyles are proving to be, according to scientific research, one of the most destructive forces for the human body and the spirit. Choosing an activity that allows us to feel our body, get stronger, and take time for the body to move is an essential part of a life of meaning. A walk, yoga, weight training, running, pilates, tai chi, qigong, group sports or swimming, are just a few examples. Like most things, consistency is key. Choose a set time during the day for these and do your best to not vary so much. Arts, crafts, is a practice that also promotes creativity. A regular visit to a museum or local galleries is one of them. Reading, drawing, painting, pottery, knitting are ways that a person can be inspired by the work of others and in turn create something of your own writing for yourself and then like i said of course prayer religious practices are also part of spiritual practices choose ones that work for you choose one that inspire you experiment allow yourself to also have some fun these are some ideas some thoughts on what's going on in my head lately about ways to make my life a little bit better if you have questions or comments, feel free to text us, email us. We are at the Chuva Center on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. I am IgaLGM, and my personal Instagram, not your rabbi. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Check out chuvacenter.org for ways to participate, to take part in part of our live programming that we do almost every week. Thank you again. Have a very good week.